I am truly grateful for these guys being willing to do this for us today. Uh, it is good to be led to praise our God on a day like today. I, I, I feel I'm confident in this statement that I don't ever think that I have addressed part of life uh, when we have been more dispersed than we are today. And I truly wish that we could be together today, physically together, but I am also incredibly, incredibly grateful that we can do this, that this gift of video, I thank you for joining us live stream today. This is a blessing that God would at least allow us to be able to do this this way today. We are um, gonna tackle the obvious. Um, the, the media, the information, everything that, that circles, um, we, we are no longer wondering if the coronavirus is going to arrive. We're not. Some of us uh, experience uh, confirmed cases literally in our backyard. It, it is here. And so I, I want to start with a challenge for the church. A challenge for the church that I believe has several implications that we need to, to just tackle as we start today. This is the challenge. I'm challenging us to embrace sacrifice, not selfishness. Embrace sacrifice, not selfishness. One of the things that I think disappoints me the most when any time I watch our country go through something is when people act in selfishness. And I get it, all kinds of jokes have been made, but come on, the tension over toilet paper. It's a picture of what I'm, I'm talking about. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I, I am not saying that you should at any point neglect caring for your family as we walk through this. But what I am saying is that you should go back and read how the early church walked through these kinds of moments. The early church was not known by being a people who stockpiled their supplies. They became known as the people who generously gave away what they had for those who had a greater need than them. I'm challenging us to embrace sacrifice, not selfishness. Some of you that I'm talking to today, I, I know it, we've had conversations, some of you are scared. Some of you, literally, I describe it, it it's as though you are scared to death. But then there are others that you believe this entire thing is just a political charade. And we literally have people at, at both ends of that spectrum. It's amazing to me that there's not really an age distinction of who stands where and what they believe in all of this, but here's what I want us to think about. This is not the time to prove that you are right. This is the time to be patient. Even with the people who see this thing differently than you do, that's what love looks like. It is 
patient. Now, I'm being honest with you, I am not the person who is easily afraid. I'm not. I I am not the guy who rides the roller coaster. I don't overreact. Um, You can ask my family. You can can ask, I think, those that I work with. That's just not how I operate. And so for us to be even doing what we're doing today, it feels like it's overdone because this is not what we're accustomed to. But I promise you, that my prayer is that weeks from now, I hope that some of you are able to walk up to me and look me in the eye and say, see Jeff, all this was overdone. And if that happens, I promise you, if you let me, I'm gonna hug you and I'm gonna thank you for telling me that you were right. I'm just saying we need to embrace sacrifice, not selfishness. Some of you, uh, you are not afraid of the virus, and I'm grateful for that for you. But some of us need to embrace sacrifice because you still need to make some choices that protect those that you come home to. My mom deals with an immune system that she is prone to catch whatever is out there. That's a part of how she lives life. My dad is not afraid of sickness. He's not. I watched my dad for 20 years as an associate pastor at First Raytown. One of his primary roles was to care for the sick in hospitals. I've I've watched him spend sometimes eight hours a day just moving from hospital to hospital, caring for people that that are very sick. I'm telling you, he's not afraid of sickness. But my dad is choosing to make some decisions right now where he is willing not to go where he normally goes in order to help protect my mom. I'm saying some of us need to think through that for our families. Some of us need to think through that. How it affects, it's just the fact that those that are older I am grateful to God that it appears, as of last week, no children in the world under the age of nine have died from this virus. That's a miracle of God. We should praise him for that. But it does affect those who are older. And we need to think through that. We need to embrace sacrifice, not selfishness. The reason that my dad can make that choice and the reason that he can, can stay home in, in some instances is, is because he's agreed to let us help him do that. We can go to the pharmacy for him. We can do some of those things for him. I'm saying that some of you, I challenge you to be intentional about doing the same thing in your families, in the Heart of Life family, in your community, where where there are people that you can love in that way. But I'm also going to say this, some of you in this body, and I'm talking to our senior adults, I'm talking to those of you, we love you very much. Please listen to me. I know it's hard sometimes for you to ask for help. I'm asking you to sacrifice 
and let some people in this body who love you very much, let them help you. And don't make us guess if you need help. Don't play that game. Don't make us guess whether or not you're willing. You you ask. We're going to do our best to seek, but we want to help in every way that we can as we walk through this thing together. Embrace sacrifice, not selfishness. One more thought I want to give you here. Don't be a part of criticizing other churches for the decisions that they make as we walk through this. Some are going to choose to continue to gather. Some are going to choose to continue, you know, not to or maybe do similar to what we're doing today. I I want to encourage you not to criticize our brothers and sisters who may be making decisions about what they need to do in a particular community, a particular circumstance that we don't fully understand. I know this shocks you, but usually there's always more that we don't know. We have chosen... To spend the next two weeks using live stream to be able to communicate, to be able to worship together. Why would we do that? Well, one reason is because we think this is temporary. And so we want to do that for a couple of weeks and we're going to see how that goes. And, but, but, but we think this is temporary and it is a temporary step that we can do to help protect this body for the long haul. Second, we can do it because it's a part of the request of, of, of even a local government who is requesting that, you know, not more than 250 people would gather together. Well, to be honest with you, if we wanted to figure out how to skirt that with our campus system, we could figure out how to make sure there's not too many people here, not too many people there. We could do that. But why would we do that when our community is trying to do what we need to do? to spread this thing out. It it really is wise that large groups of people aren't meeting together where all of a sudden a lot of people could be sick and then all of a sudden the hospitals are full. We really have learned some lessons from other countries. And so why would we not demonstrate a heart that would do the same thing to spread it out a little bit, slow it down as much as we can? And then third, why would we do this? I'm telling you, it is amazing to me how far God is out in front of everything we do. God led us to spend the last year putting more resources, more time, more effort into making video better. And isn't it amazing that we have arrived at such a day where suddenly it has become a most beautiful tool for us to be able to stay connected That's why we'll do it. So just so you know, for this next week, we are canceling all the extra events because we can this week. So student events, we're going to go ahead and not meet with those this week. Most of our students are already on spring break, and so they're spread out. Let's let's just go with that this week because we can. Um, The word on the street is there was supposed to be a party on the 21st. I've heard there was going to be a party and. Y'all, that was so cool. That, that's such a, just a beautiful thing that you would do. But you know what? I, you guys are going to be kind, and many of you would actually come to that. We don't need to create a crowd when we can postpone that and do it later 
Let's take care of one another. And so we're just going to postpone those things for, you know, several weeks, and we're just going to walk this out as we need to. We're going to embrace sacrifice, not selfishness. I promise you there is a generation out there that is sick of hype, and they're ready for hope. And like it or not, this virus does take life. This, this virus kills. And so in a world that is struggling with death, they need both the hope of a resurrection message and the power of God who will suffer with them. And the church, that's you. You're commissioned and you are equipped to deliver such hope. I didn't come here today to give you a lot of medical facts. That's not my expertise. But I am committed to get them to you. And so the plan is this week, and we'll let you know when, I'm going to plan to do a video session with a doctor, a medical doctor. And we're going to do some question and answer stuff where we can really get some of maybe our questions answered with someone that we trust. I'll let you know. We'll send the word out and we'll do it by video and I'm hoping that'll help us. By next week, hopefully we'll be able to take a step where like you'll be able to get some notes. If you're, if you're joining us online, you'll be able to follow along, even maybe fill in some blanks. We're working on some stuff this week to where we can even do some video things for kids. We're going to work really hard to figure out how we can do that. Our plan was not to be standing here today doing this, but it is next week. And so we're going to do our best to continue to take those steps to do it better and better. Because church, we will get through this. There's no doubt in my mind. And that's because of who we belong to. And that's because of the principles that he has called us to live. We're going to trust him. We're going to put others first. We're going to be generous to those who are in need. We're going to embrace sacrifice, not selfishness, because we cannot be controlled by fear. We cannot. We cannot be controlled by fear. And that's what I want to talk to you about for the time that we have left here together. Hopefully, on a week like this, it didn't take you away from reading God's word. I'm hoping that it actually sent you to reading it more. And if you've been handling the readings every day, we have arrived in a book called Joshua, which is an amazing place to arrive to be in a season like we're in. And some remarkable stories of God's power, miracles that he displays. I love the story where God instructs the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant into the Jordan River. And when they step into the river, it says even though it was at flood stage, right, the, the, the waters pile up just like happened at the Red Sea. And all of the people, they walk across on dry land. When the ark leaves the water, the bed of that river, and touches the bank on the other side, we're told that the water returns. But before it did, God instructed Joshua to choose 12 men, one from every tribe, 
And each of them were to select a stone, a rock, from the middle of the river. Because God had a specific plan that he wanted them to do with that. Let's check out the reading in Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, verse 20. It says, and Joshua set up at Gilgal. So that's where they camped once they exited the Jordan. They set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And, check this out, so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. And it is in passages like these that we are reminded in the middle of our fear, there is one fear that is good. It is the fear, the Bible describes, of the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to to think about as as we dive into this. Uh, The fear of God is about our protection, not our destruction. Because when it comes to most fear, we think about something that is destructive. But when we're talking about the fear of God, it is about our protection, not our destruction. I was trying to think through this week, okay, God, how do I convey this truth. How do, how do we get this? And, and I realized after a little bit, it was like, it's like right in front of me in my house. So many of you know that we have in our house a 65-pound bulldog named Pearl. She is built like a stump, all right? 65 pounds built like a stump. Pearl loves to fight with me. And when she and I get in the middle of the living room floor, she pulls and she's growling. And I mean, it sounds like she wants to tear me apart. But when I get in my recliner and I kick my feet back, she immediately knows where she's supposed to be. She will jump into my lap and this 65-pound bulldog will stretch and just lay her head on my chest. Pearl weighs exactly twice what my granddaughter weighs. And so I have taught my granddaughter something when when she interacts with, with Pearl, I have taught her, Sylvie, if you will just walk with Pearl, just walk with her, all right? She will walk with you. That's the way she works. Sylvia, when you walk with Pearl, you can literally put your arm around her if you want to while you're walking. And I am convinced that Pearl would get between a grizzly and Sylvie in order to protect her. But here's the weird thing. 
if you start to run from Pearl, have you ever seen it when the dog suddenly switches and all of a sudden the dog begins to pursue? And all of a sudden Sylvie gets a little scared, right? The switch happens. And when I'm watching this, I'm like, that is pretty much how it works with the fear of God. When we read the book of Nehemiah, eventually we'll get there as we read through the story. Nehemiah makes reference to those who delight in fearing the name of the Lord. Isn't that a weird phrase? That delight and fear would be in the same description. That's weird. But no, Nehemiah knows it's not because when we talk about the fear of God, we're talking about this involves a love and a trust and an honor. This is about when we walk with God, it's not about our destruction. Our fear of the Lord is, is about our protection. He has proven how far he would go for us. There is terror outside of life in Jesus. Because life outside of Jesus means we deserve the wrath of God upon our sin. We've rebelled against the holy God, and outside of Jesus, we deserve that wrath. There is a terror attached to that. But I'm telling you today that even life inside with Christ, there is something about this awesome presence of God that is at work for us, not against us, there is also a trembling attached to that because come on, our God is bigger than anything else we might fear. He is bigger. In fact, the fear of God, I describe it, is the antidote to all other fears. The fear of God is the antidote to all other fears. We, we sing this often. It's just I don't think we always think about it when we sing it, how the fear of God affects all our other fears. Twas grace that taught my heart to what? Fear. In other words, it was the grace of God that turned on the light in me that I could see my need for Jesus and that if I was apart from Jesus, this is, this is what I deserve. Grace that taught my heart to fear, but that's not where the line ends. And grace, my fears, relieved. The fear of God is the antidote to all other fears. There's another song that we sing sometimes, and it has this line in it that goes like this. There's a place where fear has to face the God you know. Man, I love that picture. Whatever I'm struggling, whatever I'm fearing, there's a moment where my fear has to come face to face with my God, and it is no fair fight. All other fears lead you nowhere. They do. Fear doesn't know where to go, and fear doesn't know where not to go. And, and I'm convinced that really everything really breaks down to two main fears. Everything else can be really involved in those two. It is the fear of falling short, and it is the fear of running out. 
So, so either I'm fearful that I will not be enough or I am fearful that I will not have enough. And that's when the picture of selfishness begins to slide in. It's what we often see in a, in a culture where, where fear is present. So Jeff, are you saying we should never fear? No. Are you saying, Jeff, that we should never feel fear? No. In fact, I want you to know you can feel fearful but still act in courage. And I think that's exactly what's going on with Joshua. You can feel fearful but still act in courage. The heroes of the faith that we read about in the Bible, they fear. They just don't let fear control them. I want you to see where God talks to Joshua about this very thing. It's a little little earlier in the book of Joshua. That chapter four is around where they're crossing the Jordan River and where the water parts. But a a little earlier, God's going to talk to Joshua at this moment where Moses has died and Joshua is the man. And do you know that God will never give you a purpose that he does not prepare you for? He doesn't. Even the parts you don't like. Even the parts that you would say, God didn't send that. I'm saying all of it, he can still use it to prepare you for the purpose that he called you to. And so in Joshua chapter 1, we get this almost like a look inside the locker room. That's that's what I call it. Where, Where God and Joshua are coming to this understanding. This job is too big for Joshua. But God who is with him is bigger than the giants against him. Let's read in Joshua chapter 1 for a couple minutes. I I just want you to hear these words. In verse 6, here's what he says. Be strong and courageous. Wonder why Joshua needed to hear that. Be strong and courageous because you, Joshua, will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Okay, God, you already said that. Like, yes, I know, but I also know you. I I know you, Joshua, and and I, I want you to be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? (laughs) Be strong and courageous. Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See, A lot of people don't realize, this is the way I I would try to express it to you this morning. God's presence is guaranteed, but his promises, in a sense, are optional. God's presence is guaranteed. He said, I will be with you wherever you go. And we know that sometimes they were right on with following God. Sometimes they were rebellious, and God's like, he just stayed. God, he continued to be faithful. His presence is guaranteed, but whether or not You go as far as God says, I want you to go. That's going to be up to you. But just because you have fear 
does not mean fear has to have you. The bigger the mission, the bigger the enemies. But often the real enemy for us is not the circumstances. And it's not even a person. It's fear. It's fear. Because fear will try to talk you out of what God has invited you into. Fear will try to talk you out of what God has invited you into. I I think Joshua was afraid. I think he felt the fear. I think that's why God said three times the very same words for him to be strong and courageous. God knows his struggle, right? Joshua's got to defeat, right, all the peoples. He's not just crossing a water, but there are battles to fight. There are enemies to face, the the Canaanites, right, the the Jebusites, right, the the Hittites, the the, the Cellulites, right? That's the ultimate enemy, right? I think Joshua is facing fear, and we sometimes take these stories And we scale them down to the point in trying to make them personal that sometimes I think we lose sight of how big of a miracle these things really are. We take David facing a giant compared to me trying to lose 15 pounds, right? It's like, uh, I get it. It might be a fight, but it's not exactly the same as David facing Goliath. Well, Joshua leading the people across the, 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 the river into the land, is, it's not exactly like you asking a girl out on a date. I, I'm saying we sometimes personalize this, and that's okay, but just don't lose sight to how big of a deal Joshua's mission really was. Maybe you remember the story because you've already read it as we're reading the story of God 40 years earlier. They stand at the edge of this promised land 40 years ago. And the spies were sent out to scout the land. But when they came back, 10 of those 12 spies said, we cannot do this. And you should read it again. In Numbers chapter 14, you you can read a part of that story. And much of what they say is true. They say the the soldiers, the people are bigger. True. The the cities are fortified and stronger. True. But the part they left out is that God had promised them victory. And so when you hear Joshua, he's one of the two spies who comes back and he goes, come on people, don't be afraid. And what he argues is God is with us. God is with us. All of those reports may be true, but God is with us. Do not be afraid afraid. Joshua had seen it firsthand. When fear will talk you out of what God has invited you into, the question I'm asking you today is where in your life has fear talked you out of what God has invited you into? Because some of you just look at the promises of God from a distance but you don't ever actually live in them because your fear keeps you from trusting him. I want you to know, as Joshua knew, that the fear of God is the fuel for a life of ultimate purpose. The fear of God, not to harm us, but to protect us. It is the fuel for a life of ultimate 
purpose. You don't have to beg God for a purpose. I don't have to beg God for a purpose. He already gave us a purpose. He tells us that our purpose is to leverage our lives for his greatness. It is that no matter our circumstances, no matter what we're going through, we can love him and live it out in such a way that the whole world knows how great he is. The problem is many of us have shrunk our lives down to the size of our own personal interest. And so we have nothing bigger than ourselves to fight for. Don't forfeit your future for your fear of failure. Now there's something that I found really interesting when I was just reading back through this story this week. God started talking to Joshua about this message of not fearing, of of being strong. He started talking to Joshua about that long before Joshua chapter 1. He started it actually through Moses, just before Moses dies. I want you to look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and see if this sounds familiar. Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. We've heard that before. Be strong and courageous. This is Moses talking to Joshua. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he'll be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Do not be Afraid, do not be discouraged. Moses had already given this speech to Joshua when God gives this speech to Joshua later. And I'm convinced that maybe Moses was able to give this speech to Joshua because God had also given this speech to Moses. But there's one thing that's different. There's one thing that's different when God gives the speech to Joshua than when Moses gives the speech to Joshua. And the one thing that's different is that God tells Joshua how. You want to know how to be strong and courageous when the rest of the world around you is afraid? You want to know how to fight against fear when it wants to lie to you and lead you in circles and keep you from the destiny that God has called you to, you want to know how? Well, God told Joshua how. If you go back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, here's what he said. Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your heart. No. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I I, I find that interesting that God said, Joshua, don't just keep this on your mind. I, I want you to keep this on your lips. Now, the law was the first five books that we call of the Bible. That's what Joshua had. That was the law. And that little word meditate, the Hebrew word for meditate is attached to the word mutter. Mutter. And so, as they would think about God's word, 
And I think about how God loves me, and I think about I'm going to love the, I'm going to love the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And as they would, as they would read it, they would mutter. In other words, I think this is what God teaches us about his word. Read it and rehearse it. Read it and rehearse it. Read it and rehearse it. You meditate on it. You, you keep it on your lips. You, you literally let it be a part of your language. Because come on, sometimes in life, God gives us a monument to remember. Sometimes in life, God says, I want you to take 12 stones and I want, we're going to build a monument right here that you will always be able to look back in your life and you're going to remember this moment that I spoke to you. I gave you direction and just what I told you to do, when you did it, you saw my hand, you saw my faithfulness. Sometimes God will build monuments in our life. But can I tell you that most days God doesn't speak by building monuments. Most days God speaks directly through his word as his his spirit opens our heart to hear from him and he says I want you to read it and I want you to rehearse it and just in case you think that's weird I- I'm telling you you see it throughout the Bible real quick think about even David King David all right all that he faced we talked about him last week in one of the Psalms well this is what it says in Psalm 42 this is his language my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long where's your God Where's your God? Can you hear him? For four verses, this is David's language. He's talking about the tears. He's talking about the sorrow. He's talking about the doubt. But in verse five, you hear it flip with David. And all of a sudden, he asks a question. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Who's he talking to? Himself. Why so disturbed within me? Watch this. Put your hope in God. Who's David talking to? Himself. He puts himself in his place. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And all of a sudden you see it. David, in the circumstance that he's in, it's not perfect. In fact, it's chaotic. There's fear that could reign. But all of a sudden he starts to talk to himself the truth that he knows from God's word. It is good to have people who encourage you. I recommend it. Find you some people who will encourage you from time to time. They'll send you a text at the right moment. Send you a card. Say, hey, I'm praying for you. People who will encourage you. That's biblical. But I also want you to understand that spiritual maturity involves learning to encourage myself with the truth from God. I'm not talking about trying to convince myself of of how strong I I am. No, I'm talking about it it means you got to learn to encourage yourself with the truth that God has already spoken to you from his word. If you're not in that truth, if you're not in that word, if you're not reading that on a regular basis on a week like this one, then it's probably not on your lips and the result will probably be fear. David models it. You got to talk to yourself the truth that God has spoken to you. 
My question, what's your battle cry? What's your battle cry? For Joshua, God said, be strong and courageous. That, 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 you imagine that, that becomes Joshua's battle cry. Be, be strong and courageous. Here is the truth that God has spoken, and I am holding on to this truth, and this becomes my battle cry when I am walking through fearful circumstances, fearful seasons. This becomes my battle cry. What was David's battle cry in Psalm 42? I put my hope in God because God had declared that that's where David could put his hope, right? Greater is he that is in me. What's your battle cry? Be strong and courageous. Keep it on your lips, he says. Let this be the soundtrack in the background of everything that you are walking through so that you don't let your fear keep you from walking into what God has invited you into. I'm gonna admit to you my greatest fear. My greatest fear is not living the mission of God. My greatest fear is not a virus, it's not. My greatest fear is that somehow, though, I will lose sight of the God who is true in his love for me. He is true in his faithfulness toward me. He he has changed my life, rescued me, given me hope, forgiveness, a future. And I don't want to lose sight of the mission that God has called me to. In these crazy days, it's time for the church to believe the one that we say we believe. It's not time to hide. It is not time to be selfish. And it is not time to let our fear own us. I want you to remember what Jesus said. Jesus, you ready? This is what he said, John 14. Peace, I leave with you. Peace. My peace, I give you. I I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid sometimes I think we walk around begging God for peace Jesus said I gave it to you I give you peace this is not a give and a take I'm not giving it to you and taking it back I'm not giving it to you and taking it back I I give you peace when you get me I give you peace. So, okay, I might feel feel fearful sometimes, but I'm not going to be defined by it. It may be that some of you experience fear this week because you spent more time rehearsing on your lips what the media had to say this week. And you spent more time on your lips with what Facebook said this week 
rather than keeping on your lips what your God said this week. What an opportunity, church, to declare the greatness of God in a world that doesn't know the hope we've got. They don't know the rock and the anchor that he is. This is an opportunity for the church to be the church. But not if you hide, not if you're selfish, and not if you let fear have you. Joshua. He said, we will be strong. He said, we will be courageous. And I'm saying heart of life. So will we. So will we. Talking to God. Um, I want to encourage us to spend some time as this church just praying right now. Maybe you, you want to start by thanking God for a few things that he's blessed us with. The fact that we could talk today. This is more of a blessing for me than I even know how to describe to you. Because I don't want you to be afraid. It's a blessing that in this virus, so many kids have been protected. Just, just thank him for that. And then maybe just spend a little time praying for our nation. Our nation and maybe the nations across the globe, some that are truly being impacted already, much more difficult than us. But pray for our leaders regardless of motives. Pray that there will be leaders who will actually lead to love people, care for people. Pray, pray. Pray for our church. Pray for all across Heart of Life that we will make those decisions that are sacrificial, not selfish. Pray for families to know how to take care of families. Pray for those who need to ask for help that they will let us help. go ahead and ask God for what you need him to do in you. And if you're afraid, he knows. Just tell him. And ask him to help you to realize the peace that he gave you. Ask him to make you courageous. Lord, thank you for Every single heart that listens in today, even for those who will listen beyond this point, God, I, I pray that your word, God, will be taken into our hearts, but also this week that it will be on our lips. God, give your people the battle cries that they need to fight this week in a way that demonstrates love.
God, may our understanding and belief in who you are create a trembling in us that sends all other fears running. Lord, I pray your blessing on your people. God, I ask you to keep them safe. God, I do. I ask you to keep them safe. I ask in the name of Jesus that there could be healing across our land. But as we walk that out, I ask God that you make your church dangerous, that your great name will be known in our house, to our neighbors, God, where we work, God, in our cities, in this land, to the ends of the earth. Thank you for loving us this much. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I thank you guys for listening today. I love you, and we'll talk soon.